welcome to the GFT podcast series, Your Immutable Future. This week, we are going to be talking about tokenization, um, a very hot topic at the moment. And I've got with me today, Esteban Chiner, um, head of the Spanish uh, blockchain practice, and Menor Van Rin, who runs the innovation, uh, GFT Innovation Lab. Welcome to the podcast, both of you. Um, so I suppose that one of the main things is what's what's the benefits of of uh, tokenization? What, what I mean, Menno, from your point of view, what do you think the core benefits of uh, tokenization are compared to, for example, a standard securitization uh, process? Yes, so I think, uh, David, it's um, an interesting question. Why to, to use tokenization and when you can do other kinds of securitization? I think when we really think about it, what we're, we're talking about is a new way of um, of exchanging value. Uh, traditionally, um, any kind of transaction, uh, being it uh, a credit card for for paying just money, uh, or a capital market transaction on on, a, on the stock market, that requires a lot of uh, intermediaries, companies, people that are doing that trade, are doing that. Uh, transfer of value um, and I think the core benefit of tokenization is that uh, with the interruption of blockchain DLT technology um, we have a new way of representing that value being traded we can tokenize it um, and we can then trans trans trade it uh, securely on what in the end is uh, a secure kind of peer-to-peer -peer network that's um, that's the blockchain or, or any other kind of, of DLT network so I think the um, the core benefit is, and especially in, in the way that you can do those transactions um, much more easily. You don't need those intermediaries. You can be more efficient. You can be faster. And then on top of being able to trade things that you can already trade or exchange uh, money, uh, shares, um, you can do that then with all kinds of other things um, that you that also have value and that are not as liquid, that are not as um tradable as as um, because they're not being traded right now because they're not being able to we cannot represent them um in a digital way and i think that is of course a token and that opens up a huge uh, amount of, of new opportunities for for exchanging value which i think is of course the, the reason behind uh, blockchain dlt and tokenization in general so to 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 go over that again i suppose we're so we're talking about efficiencies we're talking about um added security and we're talking about new uh, business processes um, allowing us to be able to um, tokenize assets um, that simply weren't uh, possible to tokenize using um, traditional securitization. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's correct, exactly. Okay, that's very interesting. And um, Esteban, from, from your point of view, I suppose there's, there's, there's a lot of t technologies that support tokenization. Which of these seem to be uh, the ones that are kind of progressing most uh, in this area is is I know that traditionally Ethereum seemed to be um, the go-to technology for tokenization. Is that still the case, or or, or are there other um, emerging technologies that are also kind of you know trying to take uh, take that spot? Yeah. Okay. Thank you, David. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's still the case. Uh, I think uh, Ethereum is still the 
the main technology, depending on the sources, you would see that it's still, I would say, between 80 and 95% uh, of, the, of the market share of the tokens uh, themselves. Yeah, still, it's kind of the, the, the main technology being used, uh, for example, using uh, the ERC-20 tokens for, uh, for fungible tokens, for example, or uh, with the other standards such as ERC-7021 for non-fungible tokens or the ERC-1400 for the, like as an umbrella for all security tokens. So I would say that around 90% of the tokens right now are based on, on Ethereum uh, technology. But I think there are some other uh, competitors that we should take into account. One of them being, for example, Binance, uh, which uh, they, they released their own uh, blockchain network or, or DLT network with its own benefits. And they, they, they even have their own uh, token standards like BEP2 or BEP8 for i would say very simple tokens but it has some other benefits like like speed for example and i would say there are some others that that also provide similar functionalities such, such as eos or or tron but they are not as as popular you can still do similar things but they are not as as popular right now but i guess the good thing about these these other competitors is that they provide some other benefits uh, that, for example, Ethereum does, does not have. So, for example, being able to have better throughput, uh, simplicity of the of the tokens, or even the, the price of the of the transactions or the or the speed. And let let me mention also a very interesting challenger, which would be Cardano. Uh, they released their their mainnet a few months ago, uh, based on proof of stake, but uh, throughout. This year and probably by the end of the year, early next year, they are going to deploy their their uh, smart contract functionality, and with that, the possibility to develop tokens, and even better, they they have the possibility to uh, to deploy native tokens, which mean basically that they are treated as a regular cryptocurrency. So if you need to transfer a token, it's like a, a native cryptocurrency, reducing the prices of of uh, transfer of of ownership, and they even have uh, they are developing, for example, ERC twenty converters, which may will make it very easy to transfer uh, your tokens from Ethereum based technology to to Cardano. So we'll be looking into into that, which because it's very promising. Do you think the standards um, off, off the top of my head? Do you think the standards that Ethereum have placed around um, their tokenization will will also be adopted in 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 this way. We can see that, for example, Cardano has decided to adopt um, or or at least translate, uh, create a uh, I suppose a, uh, a system to be able to translate these into their tokenization methods. Do you think that these these standards will will stay the standards from from Ethereum? Yeah, I, I think that are uh, are a must <laughs> yeah, regardless of the of the the underlying technology uh, so i would say that i don't know if if they will be like a, a, an exact replica of the of the standards that we have in ethereum right now but uh, i think uh, if we start if we start to see more and more token functionality or more and more uh, smart contracts in, in cardano some standards will need to, to be defined. Either they will be 
very similar to the ones in ESA, sorry, in Ethereum, or there will be new new ones, but standards for tokenizations are a must. Something mm -hmm. that has to okay. happen. That makes sense. I mean, we need to be able to send tokens between networks and we need to be able to do that easily. So it makes sense yeah. to have standard uh, tokenization. I mean, uh, so so tokenization is, you know, on the tip of everybody's tongue. Um, it's really something that everyone's talking about at the moment, has been for the probably the past six months, I would say, you know, even even earlier than that, and for the past year or so. A lot of people are trying to use it, and, you know, in the same way as DLT has a bit of a bad rep, I think that uh, sometimes tokenization also gets this, like, let's just tokenize everything, and that's not necessarily the right thing to do. Um, when, uh, when uh, you know, what's a good use case to, to use tokenization? And are, are there any which you would say, okay, well, it doesn't make sense to tokenize this particular asset or this particular uh, situation? I think, of course, we have to think first about maybe the reason why tokenization is such a hot topic. We, we just spoke about why tokenization versus securitization. And and I think that's also because maybe we between us have a background more in, in looking at this all from from a from a, the viewpoint of just of of financial services. But if you really look at at the the crypto economy that's that's being that's coming up right now, a tokenization is really kind of the one of the core uh, drivers behind all this this disruption innovation that's happening uh, in the crypto world. And so it's not just about pure tokens. Uh, value-based tokens. It's about utility tokens. It's about running governance structures of um, of DLT networks of um, using uh, governance tokens. Um, so basically, tokenization is permitting a whole new way of of, of doing things in the in, in the crypto world. So so I guess probably that also then leads to this feeling that uh, when you abstract that and maybe also apply it to to uh, to different maybe also more traditional applications, we we think we can use a tokenization for for everything. And I I don't think that they, that that we should that we should go that direction. Uh, I think it, it makes a lot of sense for um, those uh, pure crypto uh, applications that 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 we see. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, for example, going back to uh, financial services um, as a way, as a, a much uh, more uh, effective, uh, efficient, and even a democratic way to 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 transact value, to be able to to exchange anything from from shares to 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 money to uh, crypt crypto money um, to um, to tokenizing. Um, uh, a building and being able to 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 trade uh, tokens that are shares in that building on a on a public blockchain. So and looking at it again from from that perspective, my personal feeling is that tokenization makes sense when you when you need in in those kind of open um, environments when you when you want to have liquidity uh, to be able to, for example, tokenizing a building all of a sudden makes it possible to trade shares in that building. That previously wouldn't have been possible. Maybe shares, for example, tokenizing shares of a company. You could, st you, you can already trade shares of a company. It's not always as easy, but you can do that even as an individual. But I think so. Partially, when it's when you need that liquidity, and when you want um, the the value to be traded to be publicly traded, um, I think tokenization makes a, makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's going to change 
the way that we are exchanging value right now in areas where we are already trading, for example, shares or even money, and it's going to add a lot of opportunities to be able to to exchange value, for example, again of of um, of, of in in the area of, of something like real estate, but it can be art. It can almost be anything that that has a certain intrinsic value and that you can that you can tokenize or or digitalize. And in terms of what I do not think where where you should go then with with tokenization. Um, you need it to be. I think you need it, especially to it. Make it needs to be make it makes sense that you can actually want to transact that value that 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 value publicly in somewhere or another. So when you start tokenizing, maybe on a smaller scale, like within your own organization, but it doesn't need to go out there. You don't need to publicly trade it. Um, there's probably a lot of other ways that you can do these kind of things, um, and that tokenization may make a little bit um, less sense. I suppose, I suppose it's that typical thing that you have within uh, people thinking about how to take on a DLT project where a lot of people are trying to use them for very internal um, mechanisms which don't really make sense and it's this is about multi-party uh, exchange of assets and being able to create new business processes through that uh, through that process of tokenization. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Thank, thank you for that. If I may add, even if you were to have a couple of, of organizations or companies maybe exchanging value in some way or another, but in a very small closed network, it doesn't. you don't need that value to be public. You don't need it to go onto a, a, like a public blockchain to trade. Then almost I think, well, you can, you can have a distributed ledger between you, but you don't need to tokenize everything. That makes sense. So Stephen, I don't know if you can explain a little bit of the mechanics behind a tokenized asset, maybe let's say on, on Ethereum, how, how generally how does it interact with the Ethereum network and um, how do clients actually interact with these tokenized assets? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I guess uh, we should start with uh, explaining how really, uh, I mean, what, what a token really is in, in based on uh, from, from an Ethereum point of view or, or from, a, from a DLT or blockchain point of view. So a, a token is basically a, a, a digital decentralized representation of a real asset, uh, whether that asset is a, uh, some kind of good or, or a real estate or shares or even a, an, an investment fund or, or, or whatever, but it's basically those tokens uh, are a representation of of a real, uh, uh, like a digital representation of a real asset. So, so b before we start uh, explaining how uh, all the details, uh, first two things that we need to know. Uh, one of them is, is, is smart contracts. Uh, you are probably familiar with, with a smart contract, but it's basically an, an autonomous program that runs on in the in the blockchain. So you, you can develop your own functionality and it runs autonomously in the in the blockchain. But you can interact with, with it. So that, that that's one thing, a smart contract. And on the other hand, you also have a token standards that we mentioned before. A token standards basically define what the smart contract should include in order uh, to or what functionality the, the the smart contracts should implement in order to be included in that standard so let, let's take an example a very simple example like erc20 uh, tokens which um, are are used for uh, fungible tokens 
in, in Ethereum. So the ERC20 uh, standard, what it really defines is the functionality that uh, that smart contract should have, for example. It should be able to, the, to, to provide the, the token name, the ticker, the, the total supply of that, uh, of that token, but it also needs to implement some other functionality that is needed for uh, for that, that kind of token. For example, being able to uh, get the balance of a specific holder or transfer the the token to another to another person. So, uh, <clears throat> so what you really do when you when you create a new token, what you really do is develop a smart contract, which implements that that functionality that the standard defines. Again. Uh, depending on the standard and what the standard uh, wants to solve, for example, security token or identity um, identity smart contracts or, or these kind of things, you will need to implement different different things. And so once you, you have that token represented in a, in a smart contract based on that standard, you interact with it just as you would do with any other uh, smart contract. You would do it uh, through your through your wallet, which is you can either have it yourself or through a custodian. But you would interact as a as a as a regular smart contract with the added benefit that it has a, like a very well known interface since you are. Uh, it's based on a on a standard, so th that's also be, uh, very good since all the tokens have the same functionality. It's very it's easier uh, to to interact with with them because because it has like a common standard uh, interface. Sorry, you would have your wallet in. In, in, in whatever custodian services you had, and then you would interact with the, the smart contracts via, let's say, RPC or some, something like that to be able to trigger the, the, the tokens. Yeah, yeah, correct. Okay. You, you, you would really interact with the, one of the uh, methods or functions of the, of the smart contract through your, through your wallet where you would sign the, the, the transaction. And for example, if that method or that function is, for example, transfer, my tokens to David Chris, for example, uh, you would call that function and then the smart contract will do that logic and transfer those tokens to, to you, for example. Okay. It's really clear. Thank you. So I know that we've got to wrap up now because we're probably running out of time, quickly running out of time, let's say. I suppose one open question. So, and also a little bit of a, a plug for our, our next uh, or, or one of our next podcasts. Um, so we're looking at CBDCs quite heavily here in um, um, in, in GFT um, and hopefully we'll have a podcast about that soon. Why do you think some CBDCs have taken a Swede have taken a, a tokenized approach for example Sweden and others have taken more of a kind of account-based approach like China? Do you think it really makes sense to take a tokenized approach to digital to centralized uh, digital uh, currency? Well this is, a, this is an open question to anyone really. <laughs> Yeah, from my limited point of view on, on that, it really depends on uh, what kind of tokens you are using. For example, we mentioned before uh, native tokens uh, the, that, for example, Cardano or, or some other technologies will be will be providing, which makes it very easy and cheap 
to, for example, transfer ownership, which uh, existing uh, smart contracts would not uh, do. So, but the, the the main benefit of having something based on the smart contracts, tokens based on on the smart contracts, is the you make it more flexible and easier to 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 make it programmable uh, money. If, mm. if that if, if that makes sense. I'm not saying that you know you're not you're not able to do that in a, with an an account based approach, but I think based it on more smart contract or or token kind of approach, it's more versatile. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I think um I think a lot of the the one of the, the common misconceptions here also is that the token based approach doesn't have accounts as well. So I think there's a lot of people that think it's either tokenized right. or account based, but it's not actually it's it's, it's if it's tokenized then still you're still using accounts on, on the underneath. Yeah. And if I may add, I, th I think it, it, personally, as I'm not, not looking so much on the technical side, but a little bit more on, on what you're trying to do, I don't, I don't think it's so strange that if you look at what's happening, maybe Sweden with a tokenized approach and, and China's with a more account-based approach, if, if, if account-based approach is also more about, uh, you want to know more about uh, the validity of the person, of the account, uh, of the identity, this also has to do, I think, with with what you want to achieve in terms of functionality. How much control do you want to have as the issuer of the CBDC over, for example, the identity of the person and, and how you're actually going to, how, how much um, freedom you give also then maybe, in, for example, in creating these programmable uh, uh, smart contracts, et cetera, et cetera. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, well, thank you very much there. Uh, for your time today, uh, both of you, and uh, look forward to uh, more podcasts from the um, Your Immutable Future uh, podcast series. Thank you, and have a good day, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.